Hello and welcome to the Highway to Health Show. I am your host, Dr. E, the Stem Cell Guy. In this episode, I am joined by Reed Davis. Reed is a certified nutritional therapist and an expert in functional lab testing and holistic lifestyle medicine. He is the founder of Functional Diagnostic Nutrition and the FDN certification course, which has been taken by over 2,500 health professionals in over 50 countries. Needless to say, Reed knows a thing or two about diagnosing nutritional disorders. Stick around and learn about food sensitivities, which are some of the most common types of undiagnosed conditions of our times. These food intolerances can cause minor symptoms like stuffy noses and bloating to severe disorders like leaky gut and chronic inflammatory conditions. If you're tuning in for the first time, welcome to our show. Make sure to subscribe wherever you're listening to this episode. New episodes come out every Wednesday. And for everyone else, welcome back. Before we go into today's interview, let me remind you that this show is sponsored and produced by podcastinabox.co. I remember when I first launched my podcast. I had been thinking about doing it for years. I had read two books on the subject and signed up for an online course. And I still did not launch that podcast. Which, by the way, is how I came up with the idea for Podcast in a Box. You see, back then I was running a busy stem cell practice teaching at a university and traveling for conferences. So it was hard to find the time to start and maintain a new project like this podcast. So if that sounds like what you have going on, Podcast in a Box might be exactly what you need. Our team at Podcast in a Box handles everything, and I mean everything that has to do with planning, launching, editing, publishing, and marketing a podcast. Because proper podcasting is not just about buying a microphone and rambling on. There is so much more than that. If you're a busy entrepreneur, solopreneur, or even a wannapreneur looking to build a personal brand to instill trust in your clients so they will want to buy your products or services, but you don't have the time to learn the technical side of podcasting, Podcast in a Box might be right for you. To find out more and see if your idea is worthy of a podcast, just head on over to podcastinabox.co and click on the appropriate button. When prompted, make sure to mention Dr. E's Highway to Health show and the How Did You Hear About Us section. Now, speaking of a podcast production, I want to ask you to please bear with me and my guests in this and a few of the upcoming episodes since they've been recorded during our COVID lockdown, where we're both at home, usually on a shared Wi-Fi, and so there are a few drops in connection here and there. The guys at Podcast in a Box do a great job at salvaging most of the conversation, but there are usually still certain places where there is nothing that can be done to avoid it. I think they're barely noticeable, but I'll let you be the judge of that. In any case, let's get to it. Here is my conversation with Reed Davis. And remember, you are on the highway to health and I'm your guide to get you there. Are you ready to live ageless? Want to discover alternative health choices, cutting edge nutrition, and fitness for the entire family? Welcome to Highway to Health Show with your host, Dr. E, the stem cell guy, where Dr. E helps you live ageless. And now, here's your host, Dr. E. Hello and welcome back to another episode of the Highway to Health Show. I'm your host, Dr. E, the stem cell guy, and sitting with me is Reed Davis. Reed, how are you today? Fantastic, Doc. How are you doing today? I'm doing great. Thank you so much for asking. Listen, it's a great honor to have you on. I mean, I follow your trajectory, but for those of our listeners who might not know who you are and what you do, would you mind sharing a little bit about that? Sure. Well, I'm currently teaching a course in functional lab work and natural protocols designed mostly for health coaches and advanced practitioners. 
A lot of doctors take our course too because they want to study and get down into the more natural solutions that we have these days. So I've been teaching that for 12 years, but I started off in a clinic just working with people one-on-one. I was the case manager and health director at a clinic. And my claim to fame back then was I ran more labs than anybody. They were called alternative back then, 20 years ago. Now they're well-established as functional laboratory testing. So I've run thousands of labs on thousands of people. I recognized some patterns and came up with a system of investigation. And then, of course, all natural protocols. And so it caught on when I started teaching. And now we have thousands of practitioners that have learned my system all over the world. Now, this is actually quite interesting because, you know, as a traditionally, you know, Western trained physician, we see certain types of labs every day, day in, day out. But there are certain things that you guys will obviously look into as, you know, within what you do that even a lot of doctors, trained physicians aren't really familiar with or maybe even don't even rely on too much, right? Yeah, exactly. So, you know, physicians are caring people who are trained to save lives and they're going to run a typical CBC, chem panel, differentials and things. It's very important to have that done on a regular basis. You want to get your annual checkups. And if a physician sees something that's out of range, such as high blood pressure, for instance. I mean, he's going to write a prescription because uncontrolled high blood pressure is very dangerous. It'll destroy your arteries. You could have a stroke. I mean, it could really get bad. So you need that medical oversight, and those labs are good. But then a lot of times people might have complaints, and they're fairly ordinary complaints, tired, fatigue, irritable, sinuses, allergies, moodiness, you know, these kind of things, even aches and pains and digestive problems and things. But nothing will show up on that test. So that test, everything looks like it's in range. Oh, well, you know, and then usually it's here's something to relieve the symptoms. Now, there's nothing wrong with relief care. But some people say, well, well, hey, I want to find out why I feel so bad or there's something about the way I look I want to change, you know. So that's where the quote unquote functional laboratory tests come in. In other words, it's looking a little deeper, a little more upstream, what's really going on, what kind of imbalance or and this is my classic phrase, it's healing opportunity. You know, so it's not so much looking for treatment options, which is what to take for how long at what dosage. It's actually what's wrong and how could the patient or client fix it? Is it something they've lived themselves into that we can now have them live themselves out of if possible? Yeah. You know, in my years as a clinician, I used to run a stem cell clinic and for a long time, I mean, my background is in age management, but that got me into regenerative medicine. And I ended up treating a lot of children with autism. And as I learned about autism, I also learned about different food sensitivities that they're different from allergies. And you have no idea how many times I heard exactly what you've just said. And I probably even said it myself, that is patients weren't feeling themselves. They were not feeling completely fine. They went in to see a doctor. They had a full bunch of tests done and everything came back normal. And doctor just said like, well, we don't really know what's going on. Everything looks normal. It must be, you know, different variations of it must be in your head. And not until they finally figured out or they went elsewhere that they really started finding some of these differences. Now, I know 
in your work, obviously, and throughout your career, you've done a lot of work in food sensitivities, which are slightly different from allergies. And I know a lot of our listeners are familiar with these terms, but they might not be very clear as to what the differences are. Could you help us understand that a little bit? Yeah, sure. Well, there are different types of contributors to metabolic chaos. So that is a health coach's uh, one diagnosis. It's chaos. There's something going on. And there are a lot of things that might contribute to that chaos in the body. It could be environmental factors. It could be pathology, like there's bugs out there. As we well know today, there's parasites, bacteria, funguses, and of course, viruses. And there's other things in your environment, including what you're eating. So a classic allergy, If so if you eat something and within a half an hour, you get a rash, or you're sneezing or coughing, or you have a migraine headache or asthma symptoms, or there's all kinds of manifestation of what could be going on with the histamine response, as you know. And that would be a true allergy. So it's mediated by IgE, immunoglobulin E. And it's the same immunoglobulin in your body that would give you allergic symptoms to a dog or a cat. So if a dog or cat comes in the room and you pet it and you immediately start sneezing and eyes watering and so on and so on, that's an allergy. And it's uh, easily detectable in and of itself. You don't need to run a test for that. You know you've got that allergy. But there are some that are not true allergies like that. They're called sensitivities. We call them also oral intolerances. In other words, when you eat it, Something bad happens. You don't feel right. Now, that could be for probably one of two main reasons. One is that you don't have the ability to break it down, absorb it, and digest it properly. So foods require a breakdown process before they can be absorbed in your body. And there might be a deficiency there, and you aren't making a certain enzyme or something like the most common is lactose intolerance. What kind of intolerance is it? oral intolerance. You can't eat it. And so your body rejects it in some fashion or other. So there's those kinds of things. You don't, you can't break it down, absorb it probably. But the more common one probably is that you have an immune response to it. In other words, the body looks at it as a foreign invader of some sort. It's, it's not associating it with a good food. It's saying, oh, that looks like something we should attack. But it's not IgE. It's not a histamine response. It's some other mediator. And so we run various labs for that. There's all kinds of ways to check for these things, including saliva, blood, even urine. But the more common being blood testing. But it's not IgE. It'd be IgG. There's IgA, IgM. And so IgA, G, and M, there's actually combined antibodies. We're looking at all the possible immune responses to a food. And I like one, it's called the mediated release test. Actually, it's a good screening. It covers 170 different foods. No one eats that many different foods, but that gives you a lot to go on. And and what we ask people to do is don't necessarily look at the bad foods. Oh my God, I can't have carrots anymore. You look at the long list of green foods, the ones you can have, and it's in every category, whether it be dairy or grains or vegetables or fruits or meats and even additives and things can all be tested. This is sort of the primary differences. Yeah, that's actually quite useful. Thank you. So we hear from a lot of our listeners, and I used to hear this from a lot of our patients, specifically about gluten. Is it really one of the most common causes? Because it's funny how so many parents, so many 
practitioners will be against gluten in a way. And yet so many doctors are like, no, 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 unless you're celiac, you can totally be okay with it. And it's not a problem. What have you seen after seeing all these several thousand labs? Well, there's no question that some people are sensitive to gluten. There's actually a protein in wheat. It's called gliadin. And so it is definitely a problem for a lot of people. And you can have different types of sensitivities, as we just said. So one is the inability to break it down and absorb it. We call these people celiacs. They actually have, they're missing tissue transglutaminase. They're, they're antibodies to tissue transglutaminase that would show up on a blood test. But tell us, you'll probably never be able to eat that food. You just can't really break it down and absorb it. So it sort of ticks off the rest of your immune system. It becomes an alarm signal to mostly in the gut. And we talk a lot about gut health. Gut's a huge part of your immunity. Some scientists and doctors say it's 80% of your immune system is the gut. And it should be because you do eat a lot of germs. So you need to be very resistant to the elements that would cause harm. But the mucosal barrier, which does this resistance, it's, it's the gut, but mucosal barrier is more appropriate and accurate term. It doesn't just recognize bad things. It has to recognize good things and let them through. Well, you know, you can just get out of balance in that regard, especially if you're what they call a celiac, which is someone who just can't produce what they need to produce to break that element down. So you need to stay off that probably for the rest of your life. And there are good alternatives. There are, first of all, other grains and things. But so that's, again, there's different types of sensitivities. One is that you can't break it down and absorb it. So it'll upset the immune system at some point, And now you become sensitive to other things. Or you could just not do well on wheat and some other grains. We generally just have people get off of them for a little while. And a lot of people just feel better. Their migraines go away. Or I can tell you so many good stories. Yeah, I'm sure. And that was actually what I was going forward to. Uh, for for the longest time, I used to eat normally everything, just like most people did, right? Or do. And when I started working with the autistic community, and I learned that most of them are gluten sensitive and lactose sensitive, and the most important recommendation is, you know, gluten-free, dairy-free diets, I started testing it out. And I said, well, let's figure out what happens if I get off gluten for a couple of weeks. So I did. And I felt largely the same, but then I decided to put it back in and test it. And that's when I started noticing a bunch of symptoms that had completely gone. And I noticed myself being a little bit more bloated and I noticed myself having headaches and stuffy nose. And these are the things that most of us don't really put two and two together. And because we're just used to it, right? Right. Well, you know, symptoms are common, but they're never normal. You know, like if you are truly healthy, why would you have symptoms? If your body's functioning the way it was intended and, you know, it's real smart. Your cells don't have to be taught what their job is. They know what their job is. In other words, there's this innate intelligence in every cell, tissue and organ. So, you know, why would you have symptoms? Well, something's wrong. Something's not normal. So never confuse common with normal. And it's very common to have a runny nose after drinking milk or, but it's not a normal thing. And you're a person that would be best to avoid those things. That's a big part of even running a test, doctors, you know, if I could just explain for a minute that, you know, people come to us and again, we have one diagnosis, metabolic chaos. The reason you have symptoms, 
something upstream somewhere is not working right or it's out of balance or we need to do some investigation. And we may never identify the true underlying cause because there's not enough labs to do that. But we can have an effect upon it by using, you know, good environment, good food, lots of rest, lots of exercise, reducing stress in every way it could be identified. I like supplements. I think they're very helpful you know, for nurturing and things like that. So if we can identify what that dysfunction or contributor to metabolic chaos is, that's a good thing. Thank goodness we have these food sensitivity tests. But I can only tell you this, looking backwards, thank God we ran that test because it was the test that really nailed it for that person. Some people, not, not so much because even though they had some sensitivities, they were only partially contributing to the overall dysfunction to the degree that that food or foods are contributing to dysfunction is the degree to which you will make improvements. Some people get off foods, migraines are gone, their irritable bowel is gone, their asthma is gone. It's a miracle. Other people, you know, partial miracles, and those are okay. <laughs> But, you know, so then you have to keep digging. Well, what else is contributing? We look for all the other contributors. And so looking backwards, very, very, very helpful running these testings. Looking forwards, because of what I just said, you can't really predict who it's going to help the most. One person with migraines, gone, miracle. Another person comes with migraines. Don't think that one test is going to tell you and perform to the same level. It's only going to perform to the degree that those foods are contributing to that complaint, whether, again, whether it's migraines or asthma or what have you. So that means we have to be good, health detectives and have other things we can do. What other contributors to chaos are there, including the environment? And again, this idea of pathology running rampant today is very serious. Yeah, I think you totally hit the nail on the head right there because each symptom is not directly linked to one cause, or in this case, to one particular food. It is, you know, people can get a migraine for one thing or for another. And that's a big problem that I see nowadays with people who are turning to Dr. Google, because they will Google a symptom and the symptom will, you know, they'll choose the first result that comes out there. And because somebody there was talking about how getting rid of, I don't know, cheese from their diet you know, took care of their migraines, then they think that, oh, it, it must be the cheese. So they take it out, but they're still eating whatever is causing their problem. So that's why it's so important and from my point of view to actually get proper testing when they start getting some of these symptoms and figure out, okay, this is what's affecting me. And these are all the other things that I can still consume that I should be focusing my time and energy in. Yeah, exactly. I'm sure that a lot of physicians are using this phrase today. They say, don't confuse Google with my medical degree. <laughs> like, like you actually have some training and experience, you know, I say, don't confuse Google with my 20 years of experience running thousands and thousands of labs on thousands of people and making my own observations. And of course, the tremendous mentorship that I've had over the years, when you have established a pattern of investigation, like, you know, we look at very specific possible imbalances or what we call those healing opportunities. Healing opportunities are, is all I'm interested in, not a medical diagnosis. I'm not um, here to prescribe anything for a specific condition as physicians can do. I'm not licensed to do that. I'm looking for what's really wrong and how can this, what activities this person have to do or not do 
to, if they've lived themselves into a problem, live themselves out of it. And it's, it should be pretty easy to understand. It's, it's a good system. Yeah, for sure. And I think, again, I think it does make total amount of sense to test whatever's happening and figure out a response. And I think that nowadays, even people in general, not just physicians, but people in general have gotten used to and aren't entirely happy about the idea of, you know what, I got something wrong and it's just about prescribing when it could be as simple as let's figure out what it is that you're currently doing in your life that is causing those issues. And instead of trying to fix those issues, prevent them from happening again, because our bodies can heal if we remove the insulting agent or the conflicting thing that we're currently doing. But if we don't figure what that is, and we keep, I don't know, eating dairy or eating gluten or eating whatever is triggering our symptoms, and we just resort to antihistamines, then it's no use. Exactly. So topic for today, you know, foods, food sensitivities, testing and things like that. You just mentioned elimination diet. So that can get really tricky. It can be very frustrating. And the reason is that some of these foods take a while to do their magic, if you will. Like the IgE response we talked about, a true allergy, it's immediate. You would know if you're alert, truly allergic to strawberries because every time you ate them, you get the hives, you know, some kind of blotchiness on you or some other symptom that's like you would finally put it together. And if you weren't quite sure, let's say you had multiple allergies, doctors can do an easy skin prick test. They take that allergen, they prick your skin with it. And depending on the welting that develops, if it turns red and blisters, that's an allergy. And if it doesn't, that same test is no good because it might not be IgE mediated. Therefore, it could be delayed like IgE immediate. IgG is another way of looking at the same foods, but it takes two, sometimes three days before the manifestation of the symptoms. So that's important. You will not know about that one because, you know, you eat this thing and it's three days later. So you basically just could be eating foods you like and then always feel crappy. That's just how the cycle works. So um, getting off foods, I mean, when I very 20 plus years ago, I was exposed to alternative practitioners and there was some things that were non-conventional they're like well get off all food except brown rice for two weeks and see what you know i mean i had someone tell me that when i first started i go i don't know i i'm not sure i could eat brown rice every day for two weeks and that's it but the point you just think of what they're trying to tell you there though then so you'd create a stable line and then you would add foods in one at a time well that's way too much work for any person especially if you're a busy parent and you got three kids and what are you going to do you can't do it so the testing just became the way to go and then which testing became the next question and so it's miraculous how there's a lot of new technology out there i mean it's just amazing the we had our choice between like that allergy testing ige there was igg testing which is a delayed response and then there was this mediated release screening for the most amount of foods and that became my go-to test and it does absolutely tell you which foods are causing inflammation in your body you know there's blood your little blood cells will release these mediators whether it's prostaglandins granulocytes leukocytes different things and those go out and they kind of work their magic and cause you some pain somewhere 
again, whether it's a trigger for a migraine or asthma attack or what have you, achy joints, you know, and muscle aches and pains and digestive problems and just all these things. Again, there's there's chaos and contributing to that chaos can be these foods. And so why wouldn't you get tested? Especially if it's a youngster, you work with children as I love working with kids because they're so responsive to therapy. They, man, they just come right around real quick. You know, they haven't had all the years and years and years of breaking down their body, uh, ruining their digestive system and all kinds of other things. So they can respond very quickly. I'll tell you just a quick story, document. It's okay. It won't take long. So I was working with a mom and we were doing really well with her in the office back in the clinic days. And she said, she told me about her son was misbehaving at school. At least they said he was. He couldn't pay attention or he was paying attention to what's going outside the window instead of the teacher. And I said, well, maybe the teacher just boring. <laughs> like that didn't go over too well with her. You still have to pay attention and you know, get your work done and stuff. So we simply ran the same food sensitivity test that we did on his mom. And it does require a blood draw, a pretty big draw. So it's not for infants, but this was like a nine or 10 year old. So you can get enough blood out and get the testing done. And I'm telling you, we got this young man off some foods. And within two weeks, the principal of the school asked the mom for my phone number, called me and said, what did you put Billy on? As if I had drugged him or given him some, some magic pill. I said, we didn't put them on. That's not, we don't put people on anything. We get them off some things. And that's all we did with Billy. You know, so, I mean, just story after story like that. And it's such a joy to see. It's actually quite interesting that you mentioned that because that's absolutely right. In my experience and something that I tell people all the time, it people will contact us as physicians or, or, you know, myself, and they'll say, you know what, what should I take for this? What should I add to this? And most of the time, it's not even about adding things. It's about figuring out what they're doing that is causing them to have those issues. So it's what should you avoid? But a lot of the times people don't think that way. They don't think, well, maybe I should look at what I'm eating. And you mentioned this briefly, and I do want us to touch upon this, supplements. And you mentioned supplementation and how you think that it's very beneficial, and so do I. The only issue that I have with supplements is that a lot of the times patients or people in general think that it is their permission slip to just forget about everything. It's like, oh, well, I'm taking my multivitamin so I can eat crap the rest of the day. That's huge. And you know, I do think supplements are very, very important because- Food is not that great quality anymore because the commercial growing methods, they have pretty much depleted the soils of a lot of the nutrients that you would expect. Now, I grew up actually in Canada, doctor, and my grandfathers both grew foods and had orchards as well. We had cherry trees, apple trees, and pear trees, and what have you, um, and a lot of vegetables growing different seasons, different vegetables, things like that. We actually collected rainwater off the roofs and, and washed them in rainwater and ate a lot of raw foods back then too. A lot of cooked, a lot of raw things. So there was a lot of nutrients in the soil at that time, especially since my grandfathers would make my brother and I go down the street to the guy who had horses and we would bring back manure from the stall in a wheelbarrow. We thought that was fun. We didn't know we were being tricked into doing his work for him. And we bring it back and we would mix it in the compost file with a big pitchfork. You throw it in there and you turn it over and turn it over and turn it over. And then my grandfather would take that compost mixture, 
with the manure in it and use that to fertilize. That was his fertilizer. It wasn't spraying a bunch of stuff in the chemicals like they to make it grow fast. He wanted it to grow nutritious food and you know nutrient dense it's called. Well, where are you gonna find that food these days? Not at the grocery store, you know, even the organic foods, biologic foods, they are good because it's what you're not getting. They don't have herbicides and pesticides and rodenticides and whatever else is on there, poisons. So it's good to eat organic for that reason. I don't think there's that much additional nutrition in them. So what do we do instead? The term supplement really is a substitute for what's not in your food. So that's the first reason to use supplements is to make sure you're getting the vitamins, the minerals, essential fatty acids, amino acids, and things like that, antioxidants. If, as long as you're using a real high quality, not garbage, which is another trick. How do you know what's good and what's bad? What doesn't have additives and artificial colorings and preservatives and God knows what. So, so there's a lot to sort out there, but supplements can be very beneficial in terms of substituting what's missing in food and used properly. You can boost your immune system, you know, A, C, D, E, you know, zinc, the mineral. These things would be good to be taken right now. So in that sense, not only are you substituting for what's not in food anymore, you're stimulating the immune system or you're supporting digestion or you're supporting your hormones or other organs and cells and tissues. It's, it's quite remarkable how good the quality of some of these supplements are. Yeah, for sure. And I actually just want to make a quick segue here into something that you mentioned, because you're absolutely right. I think those current practices of monocropping are completely depleting the soil and exactly what you were sent out to do as, as a kid to start getting the manure and start doing all those things. That's the reason why we should not be doing these monocrops and just destining whole areas to just grow this one thing because it needs to have that soil. And we need, for instance, we need ruminant animals. And whenever I hear these people that are promoting veganism, it's like, oh, well, we need to get rid of all these things. It's like, no, 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 we actually need those animals to go around and to fertilize. And it is the cows and the ruminants with the hooves that are actually plowing the fields and the manure and they're creating all those things. It's just literally a cycle that perpetuates. Of course, it's not as profitable for most companies, but it is sustainable. And that's what we're starting to see because, you know, you're absolutely right. Our food is nutrient depleted and we're overfed and undernourished. That's why I've always been a big proponent of supplements. But the one challenge that I found with them is exactly that. People think that, well, I'm taking my supplements, so it's okay if I eat crap. Because, you know, I'm getting supplemented over here with everything else. I'm like, no, no, that's not how it works. Yeah. Well, I forgot to address that part of your comment. It's really critical that you have a balance for everything and you realize that you can't rob from Peter to pay Paul. Or how are you going to empty a bathtub if the water's still running is a good sort of metaphor for that. And uh, I recall stopping by a buddy's house one time and I knew he was a diabetic and he was on medication. And I opened up his fridge to grab some a drink, and I see this big key lime pie in there, this big piece of, you know, total sugary pie. And I, who doesn't love key lime pie, right? At least here it's a big thing. So I said, man, what is this doing in your fridge? Like, you can't eat that. That's not it. He goes, no, I just take extra medication if I eat it. <laughs> man, that is like so wrong. That's a big bowl of wrong. And people do the same thing with supplements. 
just like you're talking. It's just so wrong. Exactly. It's just a permission slip to do all those things. That's why I always emphasize that the basics are the first thing. When people ask like, well, what supplements should I be taking? My first question is, what are you currently eating? And let's fix that first. And then we use supplements to optimize. Because if you don't have the basics right, it doesn't make any additional sense. Now, let's change gears here a little bit, if you don't mind. I actually wanted to make one more comment on that topic. This is how deep it goes. You could equate that sort of mentality with that you can go out during the week and do lots of bad things because you go to church on Sunday. That just occurred to me. You know, like I guess I guess I've been going to church more or something like that. It's like, you know what, you can't just do this Sunday. So you gotta do it every day. You have to live like that, you know. So there you go. Yeah, that's actually pretty good. I hadn't thought about that, but you're absolutely right. Now, the one thing that I wanted to actually have us talk about right now is for those people who are listening to us right now, and you mentioned a bunch of the common symptoms, and it's either a runny nose or a stuffy nose or you know constant headaches, achy joints, weakness, and just feeling of blah, like I'm not 100% myself, right? And people know it. We all inherently know when we're not ourselves. And when that goes on for a certain amount of time. Now, what do you think, what would be your recommendations for these people? What can they start testing at home? What kind of specialist or professional should they be looking for? How can they get started in figuring this out? It's a really good question. And first, you're absolutely right. People know, you know, you're not the same as you used to. If you used to be able to keep two jobs and, you know, you, basically you're juggling all the balls and you're actually feeling really good, you know, and man, I'm the man, you know, I, I can't handle this. And then you come home and you can still play with the kids and take them to baseball practice and throw ball around the yard. And then you can still come home after that and you still have can stay awake and watch a movie uh, with your spouse or something like that and do all things that spouses do. But nowadays, no way. You got one job. And that's hard enough. And you come home and you don't feel like playing with the kids and you're just zonking out and maybe even starting to self-medicate. This is the first clue is that, you know, like you're living on coffee during the day and alcohol or some other depressant at nighttime and things like that. Well, now, you know, something's wrong and you could go to a physician, as we said, to rule. And it's the first thing you should do. Go get checked out. There's not something quote unquote, really wrong with you. If the blood work turns up normal, then it's your lifestyle and you can live your way out of it. And you may consider hiring a health coach, a professional health coach. I know if you go to one that I've trained, they know the anatomy, the physiology, the biochemistry behind the lab work. They can look at some markers. They can look at your hormones, your immune system, digestion, detoxification, and so on, and look for, oh, look, here, this is out of balance. This here, you're way too strong in one area versus another. It's really more these ratios, like cortisol to DHEA, which tells your body's breaking down. If you have excessive oxidative stress, there's something toxic in your world, and it's breaking your cells down. It could even damage your DNA and cause mutation, cancer, like that. but it's all way before the fact. You know, and this is a good time to bring this up, Doc. You said, what's the first thing a person could do? And it is to take stock, you know, and maybe write down, do some journaling. Um, You could start paying attention to what you're eating, but that's hard to do because all the junk that's out there and the misrepresentation you see commercially, you know, but eating whole foods, things that are not in a bag or box, kind of from the outside of the grocery store, 
the meats and the fresh, fresh type of produce and things like that. Good place to start. Stay away from sugar, stay away from alcohol for a while. And, you know, if you're on medication, talk to your doctor, what could you do less of? Start getting a really good night's sleep. There's absolutely nothing more regenerating and better for you than a good night's sleep. All other things being equal, you can't be healthy or happy if you're tired all the time. Also, your body detoxifies at night. So diet's critical. Maybe start get a food sensitivity test or run an elimination diet if the test is precious you know, or dear to you and rest. Exercise is critical. They say that you know, sitting is the new smoking. And actually, you're standing up. I'll just show you what I have here. I have this automatic desk. Oh, I miss, I miss mine so much. I used, yeah. Yeah, I used to have one of those. I, now I, you're just showing off. Yeah, I'm just showing off. I, so I just hit the button and I'm standing, you know, a couple minutes later. I, I can't sit all day long anymore. So diet, rest, exercise. And then the other two elements are the stress reduction and the supplements. We talked about supplements, but on the idea of stress reduction, stress is not just uh, mental, emotional. You know, if you have people around you who are draining you, you know that they're time consumers and wasting your time. You got friends that just are no good to you at all. Stay away from them for a while, you know, like start working on yourself and it's all working on the inside. So diet, rest, exercise, stress reduction, supplements. Stress could be mental, emotional, your job, your finances, your relationships, things. but it could also be the environment. There's a lot of creepy stuff. Remember, I, I started off in the environmental law field 20 years ago. I was saving the whole planet. And I realized how bad the environment was. And, and I turned my attention to what's it doing to people. That's how I got in this field. And so the environment, there's chemicals everywhere. And there's things in our food. And again, there's parasites, bacteria, funguses, biofilms, and viruses around. So there's a logical way to sort that all out. So I might not have given you one thing, but there is a process for sure. Hire a health coach that knows what he or she is doing. That's exactly what I was going to say. I mean, I think, you know, it's easy to do a lot of these things, but most of the time you'll get to a point where you're stuck and you really need somebody looking from the outside. And that happens to me as a physician. A lot of the times, you know, I get stuck in improving my health and I've hired health coaches and people go like, but didn't you actually go to medical school? Like, yes, I did. But your health coach didn't like, no, but I need him to look at other things that he sees from a different perspective, from a different point of view, from a different vantage point and based on different experience, because I'm also just thinking about what's in my head and somebody else can come in with a different perspective and figure out a different way of looking at things and considering things. Well, again, there's two different backyards there where a physician can rule out the downward spirals that are contracted. So if you have something that's going down south fast, you need a physician to heroically intervene with some kind of medication. Again, things like uncontrolled blood pressure, very dangerous. You could have a stroke, you know, and then the health coach is not going to be able to help you. You know, so there's all kinds of other things along those lines. Now, if a physician does check you out and says, yeah, there's nothing in that contracted downward spiral going on with you. Now you're over here in our backyard. And if there's a bridge between the two, we own the bridge too. We take you right up to that point where you shouldn't need medical care. As a matter of fact, I'd love to be able to say that my graduates of my health coaching course that I teach 
and all of our clients put together is tens of thousands of people. I would say that we're best prepared to not get sick, even in light of the virus that's so popular these days. I hate to even say its name because it's just overwhelming, you know, but we're the ones not getting sick. And if we do, we either don't even know we're sick. You can get that Corona thing and not even know you have it. If you're healthy enough, your body just handles it because it's really healthy. And I would say that following our program where we have eliminated or reduced all the comorbidities is really important. Our clients don't have the adult onset diabetes and they're overweight with chronic fatigue and irritable bowel and all these things because we've worked on all that stuff. They don't have acne and rosacea and, and allergies and things. We've worked all that stuff out over a period of time. It could take a couple of years to clean up easily. But the good thing about a health coach doc, I'll throw this in there. You don't have to keep them on your staff for two years as a person. In other words, for the rest of your life, you have this health coach. A good health coach will teach you everything they know within, you know, 90, 120, 180 days, something like that. That health coach's job is to teach you. You know, they're not going to cure anything and intervene heroically. They're going to teach you how you got where you're at. And here's the markers to look at, and here's what's really going on, and here's how you can live yourself out of it. Again, if you teach a man to fish, a person, you feed him for a lifetime. We don't just hand out fishes. For sure. Now, who can actually, you know, you mentioned that you've been training several thousand people over the last 20 years, and I'm guessing they're all over the world. And I'm going to ask you later today in this conversation, where can people actually go? And you probably have a directory, but who can become a health coach? What is kind of like the career path? If somebody's listening to us right now and is thinking, you know what, I'm liking this. And I think that this might be a good path for me. Well, if you want to help other people and be healthy yourself and willing to set an example, that's a good place to start. So it feels so good when you help somebody. When I first had my first sort of success 20 years ago, it didn't take long to start having a lot of them, but it's just such a rewarding, such a rewarding field. I think that's why doctors become doctors is they want to help people. But number two, in our world, in our backyard, you have to walk the talk. You got to be willing to invest in yourself. Like with my course, you run the labs on yourself. And you work on yourself first. That's the key. So uh, having a desire to help others and being willing to walk the talk is a good place to start. You also want to you know, invest in learning. It takes time. And, you know, of course, there's labs to run on yourself. And uh, our course isn't free. You know, you got to invest in yourself. And then if you're going to do it for a living, you have a business to run. You have to look at it like you're a professional now because you have to invest in your business. There's the sales and marketing stuff, the website and promoting and things like that. And then there's the production side. You need resources, maybe even staff to help you out. I mean, you certainly could start by yourself. The beauty, though, that I would say one thing about our course that it teaches you is distance coaching. So you can work out of your home. I'm in my home in Southern California. I've worked out of my home for many, many years. And it's how most of us work. You can also go report to a doctor's office and work hand in hand with a doctor if you want. But you could do this in your pajamas. I won't show you what I'm wearing below this shirt. <laughs> I was about to ask, like, you just, just keep it like that. Yeah, you know, we also have fun. It's a joyful 
thing. I think you have to be a positive person. If you look at the world as the cup is half empty and everything's a problem, probably not the right profession for you because you have to uplift other people. And the way to do that is to be joyful. If you, if you get up every day and you say, thank goodness, and, you know, I have so much to be grateful for. And if you start your day off like that and you get up and you, you drink glass of water and make your bed, you know, every day, then you that's another good start. <laughs> After that, you just got to get to training. You need to be trained. Yeah, absolutely. And that's kind of like where I was going towards because you see right now that it's just gotten, you know, just like 10 or 15 years ago, it was suddenly hip to be a community manager. And these people were basically living their lives on Instagram and Facebook and whatnot, just posting likes and <laughs> getting followers. And recently I've seen a huge growth in the number of people doing different kinds of coaching, whether it's, you know, business coaching, dating coaching, social media coaching, and health coaching. So it is very important to understand that, you know what, there was actually some training behind it. It's not just about, well, I'm really good at being healthy and look how fit I am. So I think I can be a health coach, which is something that we're seeing a lot of. And that's one of the reasons why I wanted to ask you that question. And now that you know, that I'm talking about that. I also do want to take a moment to acknowledge you, you know, not only for spending the time here helping us and sharing with us what you know, but for the work you've been doing for over 20 years and helping and developing all these different professionals that are now helping and developing other people and the ripple effect. And you, you probably already impacted close to, you know, maybe probably even more than a million people directly and indirectly. And I think that's very admirable. So thank you so much for that kind of work that you've been doing. I'll take that. Thank you very much. Yeah. I don't stop to think about it much. I just keep going. Every day's a new day and a new chance to spread the love, you know. But what you said is so true. There are people who are very fit, but you're not that person. And they got there their way, and it's not going to work for you necessarily. You can emulate some of their activities, like these guys that do all the workouts and things like that. That's helpful. But if you can't understand that everyone's a unique individual. What you said earlier is exactly right. Two people with the exact same symptoms got there completely different ways. And people with the same stressors over here could have completely different sets of symptoms. So we're all unique individuals. And just following one guru probably isn't, and I'm not a guru. I'm nobody's guru. I just am a guy who did a lot of research, a lot of work in an office because I was very determined to help people. And at the same time, I recognize some patterns. If you do a high enough volume of work and make enough mistakes too, and things that don't work, you finally can come up with a system. And so that's really my strength is the determination. I wanted to be the last person someone needed to see. In other words, they've been to five or 10 practitioners. No one's helped me. I wanted to be the last one. Now, I realize I might not be the only one on their team that's helping them, but I can certainly Again, we kind of own this backyard of health coaching, and it requires anatomy, physiology, biochemistry, what labs to run, what things can you identify for a person? And then can you also do the health coaching part, give them the things they do need to do and support them in their pursuit of that? Yeah. And where can our listeners go to both of those things to figure out, you know, probably your directory and see who's an expert that they can probably consult with. And if somebody really wanted to say, you know what, let me consider this seriously, where else can they find that information? Yeah, I would just go to functionaldiagnosticnutrition.com. 
I was trying to think of a longer name for it, but I just used that instead. It's functional diagnostic nutrition. It's functional, which is how the function of every cell tissue organ. It's diagnostic, not diagnosis, not a medical diagnosis, diagnostic in that we do look for lab work, saliva, urine, blood stool. And then it's nutrition, but that really means nurturing. Again, you know, eating right, of course, taking your supplements, but going to bed and exercising and reducing stress, all that will nurture functionaldiagnosticnutrition.com. That's perfect. And for you who's listening to us right now, if uh, you are having a hard time remembering that one, we put together a short link for you at dre.show forward slash FDN, Functional Diagnostic Nutrition. Okay, there you go. That's the one. Perfect. So you can just go over there and check those things out. Reed, thank you so much for, again, for taking the time of being here with us, of talking to us about these things. I know that these are topics that are very very important and very interesting for our listeners, not just for themselves, but for their children and for their families. And a lot of the times just knowing that there are alternatives. As medical doctors, we're very quick to a lot of the times issue what I call death sentences when somebody comes in and is like, well, that's just the way it is. There's nothing wrong with you. And people are still not satisfied. So it's a lot of the times just listening to somebody say, listen, it might be this and I don't know, but it might be and it might be worth something looking into is very valuable for them. So thank you once again on behalf of myself and obviously of all of our listeners for taking the time of, of being here and talking to us today. Well, thank you for being a voice for Common Sense, Doc, and you keep up the great work. I'm happy to come on and talk about any subject you want anytime. Sounds great. Speaking of which, I got one last question for you. You have a good time here on the Highwood Health Show? Absolutely. No question about that. Best podcast around. Awesome. That's what I like to hear. Thank you once again for joining us. And for you listening to us, this has been another great episode. I will see you here next week. Thank you for listening to Dr. E's Highway to Health show, helping you learn the science of living ageless. Did you enjoy the show? Please like, share, and subscribe where you listen to podcasts. Dr. E wants to hear from you. Go to dre.show. Again, that's Dr. E dot show. Until next time, this is Dr. E's Highway to Health, helping you live ageless. That was my conversation with Reed Davis. I hope you enjoyed listening to Reed as he shared his tremendous and enormous experience and expertise in this area. What was your favorite takeaway? Tag me on Instagram or connect with me on LinkedIn and let me know what you think. And by the way, remember that you can find the links to everything we discussed in this episode in the show notes. You scroll down to this episode's description on your podcast app and tap on the appropriate link. Speaking of links, remember to check out podcastinabox.co for all your podcasting needs. If you're a busy entrepreneur looking to grow a personal brand and instill trust in your clients, there is no better way to do it than with a podcast. To learn how the team at Podcast in the Box can help you do just that, simply head on over to podcastinabox.co and find out more. Oh, And if you already have a podcast but find it hard and time-consuming to keep up, they can help with that as well. Seriously, and I might be a little bit biased here, but they're amazing. Just head on over to podcastinbox.co and let them know that Dr. E sent you. That's it for today. I hope you enjoyed this episode. You've been listening to Reed Davis and Dr. E talk about nutrition, food sensitivities, allergies, lab tests, and common causes of inflammation. Thank you for tuning in. I'll see you here next week. And remember, you are on the highway to health, and I'm your guide to get you there.